Welcome to Making Digital, the show where we talk about design, product, engineering, and how they intersect to make digital goodness. My name is Jeremy Carney, and I'm joined once again by my oh-so-lovely co-host, Jared Stevens. Oh, Jeremy? Yeah? What do you think that you're doing? The the intro. No. <laughs> That's cute. No, the intro is my thing. I add very little value anywhere else in this show you cannot take the intro away from me. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm tired. It has been a week. Uh, yeah, that's your uh, excuse every time. There's lots going on. Uh, just tons of stuff with work, home. Um, you know, we've been stuck at home for for a year. I'm worn out, man. I can feel you there. I had to go up to I had to go up to Austin at the beginning of this week uh, for kind of a one day marathon. Didn't get home till really late, so I'm. I'm definitely still recovering from that. That reminds me of the Anatomy of Work report that Asana published recently. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. It was saying that something like 71% of workers experienced burnout in 2020. That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. And I think the, the number of employees working late rose to 87%. Now... I tend to be a bit of a workaholic. Uh, I'm usually working late, but I don't always feel like I have to work late. I just do it because sure. I enjoy it. But 87% of people working late, that's insane. Man. Yeah, I, I think the lack of boundaries that we experience working at home where literally my... Um, my my non-work life is just on the other side of a one inch door. Um, but my work life is is right here is really tough. And so it's easy at the end of the day to be like, all right, I'm just going to wrap that one thing up, which turns into two more hours or to go in before bed and, and like, I'm just going to check my calendar, which turns into another hour of responding to something. Um, those, those boundaries are not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's really easy for me in the mornings uh, to get up, come into my office and start working, thinking, okay, I'm going to clear out a chunk of my calendar during the day to do something else, uh, like go for a walk or go for a run or something like that. But how often does that actually happen, right? So you feel like I have the opportunity to work whenever, wherever, but you're still sucked into that nine to five grind because that's where everybody that's when everybody else is working and unless you just work by yourself it's hard to not follow a similar schedule to all of your coworkers. man that's a problem it is an incredible problem and it reminds me of a story and i think you're gonna laugh at this one because it's it's one of those where we were at a company together um and i'm gonna I'm going to say this is this was when we had a beast of a partner come in. Oh, and no. They, <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> we're at this startup. We're like trying to get everything off the ground. We've got products that we're building and trying to figure out how to get to market. And our boss brings in this new and exciting partner. He has the promise of opening us up to new markets. He's really exciting. He's very energetic. 
He can get you to buy into things. He, he's, he's just one of those people that can get you wrapped around an idea initially. And then we would have workshops till three in the morning where we're whiteboarding and like, I'm trying to make sense of all of the, you know, it, it looked like one of those investigation boards where you've got red string tied everywhere and pictures and printouts and, and it, like literally until three in the morning. And then we would go on these weekend planning sessions that would just blur the lines even more where the entire weekend we would spend trying to plan this thing and always seeming to go in circles. And then we started to doubt the value. We started to see cracks in the promise of this person coming in. And this, the real life of the startup that was still going on started to pop back up. We had all these products to take care of. There were things in my day job that I needed to get done. And I remember very clearly this person calling me and saying, like, hey, why aren't you working on this project for us? And I, I responded, I was like, well, I've got all these other projects going that are tied to products that are in market. Mm -hmm. Like that's where my priority is. And he questioned my work ethic and he questioned my loyalty. After I had spent hours and hours and weekends and tons of time away with my family, he questioned my work ethic and my loyalty and I burned out. Mm. Yeah. I remember that season of our professional career <laughs> very very vividly uh that weekend planning session do you remember we were um we had gone out to dinner or a movie as a team and we came back and we realized that our boss had locked the keys in the cabin that we had rented and here are all yeah. of us standing outside in freezing weather in the middle of november uh and there was no way to get into this cabin rental that we had. And this was before Airbnb or VRBO or anything like that. There was no way to communicate with the owner. I don't even think we had cell signal at that moment. No. But one of the salesmen that we had just recently hired by some weird circumstance had a roofing ladder in the back of his like Honda Civic. Yep. And he was able to climb up to the second story of this cabin on a roofing ladder and climb in a window that uh, Benji had left open and, <laughs> and let us all back in. But man, that was, that was a crazy, stressful weekend. Not a fun getaway at all. No, no, uh, not at all. And there are probably a million other stories we could tell about that weekend. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, I, but I remember clearly the uh, the moment where where you came to me, just that that look of burnout on your face, and you said, "You're going to have to take this. You're going to have to take this. This project I cannot deal with. This beast of a partner any longer." <laughs> uh, and I took it, and I I looked at some of the wires that we put together, and some of the conversations we have, and I realized there was no clear business model here. Or, or the business model was one that had been done so many times in the past that it had been proven to be a failure. But what our company was looking for was innovation. Yeah. And I, I took on this work with no sense of prioritization and no way for me to know how much time or capacity I should spend on this 
which is supposed to be the future of our company versus the paying customers that we had in our queue who were expecting things on a deadline, I just knew that I had to do both. So I, I was looking at it in desperation saying, okay, if I try to do this, if I try to split my capacity in some meaningful way between these two, I'm going to burn out as well. It's a tough problem. And I think there are a lot of people who find themselves in this situation like this, not knowing how to balance their capacity at work with their work-life balance. Yeah, it's such a tough problem. And I want to make a side note here. I think between the last episode where I let you down in Chipotle and in this episode where I handed you my work when I burned out, I'm not really presenting myself <laughs> as a really great person. But that's all right. We're going to move on with that. The truth comes out. The truth comes out. I think that's the whole reason Jared wanted to do this podcast. So I I agree. Capacity and work-life balance are such an integral part of what we do. They seem impossible when you're in the middle of it. It's not a hard problem to solve. It's It's capacity. It's how much work we can take on at any given time. That's kind of like an area or a volume calculation. If you think about it, you remember geometry. Jared remembers geometry. He took that class with me. You're trying to figure out length times width. How, how much work can you fit into your container? It's the hours that you have versus the amount of work that you can take on. There are a ton of methodologies you can use to solve this. We're not going to get into the details of those in this episode. Maybe down the road, we'll look at that. Um, in the end, though, they're all saving, solving for the same equation. Um, and they're solving for the same outcome, uh, which is to give you work-life balance and to give your company or yourself some predictability around your work. I, I have this little semi-equation that I put together uh, on my last team to calculate work-life balance. Like maybe not calculate work-life balance, but to calculate how you get there. It's not actually a mathematical equation, but uh, assuming you take your project load and you divide it by your capacity and then you throw into there the priority, those three things can give you work-life balance. They can give you predictability in the work that you do. It's a good point. And I have to say, I am stunned that you recalled the formula for calculating area <laughs> off the top of your head. I, I'm telling you folks, I'm looking at him right now. He didn't even Google that. Mr. Mays, our geometry teacher from high school, would be... <laughs> So incredibly proud of you. Yes. Oh, Mr. Mays. <laughs> Who, for some unknown reason, only referred to his wife with the term heavy duty. That is I, that is true. I will um, never, I will never understand that. But it's, you know, I, 25 years later, I still remember that very odd, <laughs> very odd comment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> My second point here. If I if I actually have one, um, <laughs> is everything that is creative inside of me rebels against the thought of putting my creativity into a capacity box. I feel yeah. like it fences me in and tells me, no, you can't spend the time to creatively solve this problem. You need to you need to turn it into a factory. You need it to be a cog in a system that churns out ideas and churns out designs on time, every time. 
And I felt like that for a long time. I rebelled against project management, process management for creatives because it feels like you're being put into a box or like you're you're being turned into a design factory, which honestly no one wants. As one of the project managers on a team where Jared was a designer, I remember this clearly. Yes. Jeremy had to drag me kicking and screaming into process and into project management. One of the things I learned at one of the agencies that I worked at was that process and project management can be my friend if it's executed correctly. Uh, I remember I came into this agency and they had someone um, who's basically playing the role of traffic cop, right? I think they even called him a traffic controller yeah. or something, something like that. But basically they would intake the creative brief, look to see who had capacity on the creative team and the, and the necessary skills uh, and context to take it on. Then they would take that creative brief to that person say, how long do you think it's going to take you to get this done? That creative would take it on and they would actually have to track their hours. That felt oppressive at first, very oppressive until I realized how it was utilized. They were not utilizing it to, you know, hit me over the head with, you spent 10 hours on this. We only build for six. You're losing us money. They used it as an input into their billing system in the future to say, okay, the next time we quote approximately this size job with, you know, approximately this much ambiguity to it, we need to, we need to either, you know, charge a little bit more or, you know, we're charging just about enough or we need to charge, we, we could charge a little less if we needed to. If management, whether that's upper level management or just creative management, if they will treat project management in that way as an input into iterating on the system, as opposed to a box to put creatives inside, I think it has a lot of value. I totally agree. I learned that value actually at a pretty early point in my career, um, which is funny, like telling the story earlier about being later in my career and struggling with it, it. This is something that you've got to be able to pull yourself out of sometimes when you feel like you're in the weeds. But I, I love telling this story when I love talking about when I tell people about project management, why I love it, why I think it's important, why I think the right amount of project management is important, because it doesn't take much. I worked around 2001 for a university. Um, I worked for their aerospace engineering department. I worked for 15 different professors. None of them were my boss. They were all my boss. They, they were, that doesn't really make sense. All of them were my boss. And so every one of them would come to me and they'd say, I need this and I need this done fast. I very quickly started to get into burnout mode I didn't know what to do. I didn't really have one person to go to that's a, to say, hey, can you help me with this? And so, like, what does anybody do in this situation? They go into a closet and they find a chalkboard, which around universities, it's actually pretty easy to do. I pull this chalkboard out. I stand it long ways up on the wall. And I write down all of the projects that I'm being asked to do in the order that I think they need to be prioritized in. And then I put the name of the professor next to the project 
in order to show who's asking for that thing. And then every time a new professor comes in and says, Jeremy, I need this done and I need it done now, I point them at the board and I say, cool, where does it fit in this list? And then they would tell me, all right, it's number three out of 15. And I would say, okay, great. You need to tell number three through 15, everyone who owns one of those projects, why yours is more important. And more often than not, they would take a step back and they'd go, you know what, it's more like 12. Or maybe sometimes it's even more like 15. Because when confronted with having to justify what they needed versus the needs of the rest of the organization, they couldn't. They couldn't justify it. And that one small piece of project management saved my sanity there. It taught me a lot about managing my own workload. And then I've taken that from there and and used that with how I manage teams. Mm. Yeah, two points to that. Number one is in 2001, I'm sure why, I'm sure that chalkboards were um, you know, pretty prevalent on college campuses, but <laughs> I'm not sure 20 years later that that's still the case. Number, number two, I think you make a really good point that maybe you weren't intending to make. Sometimes all someone who is asking for something to be prioritized needs is the greater context of what's going on around them. Design mm, yeah. is often that bridge between the demands of product and the demands of engineering. And we're in a unique position to reflect back all of the differing priorities and almost use that as a catapult to elevate the importance of the d- design saying, oh, you're asking for this and they're asking for this. Let's meet and let's Let's organize and let's prioritize these things together. And then all of a sudden, instead of design being a roadblock, design is an enabler, a good enabler, not the type of enabler that enables you to do bad things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that, uh, that point that you make coupled with the thought that in order to scale design beyond just one team or one, even one designer, you need some sort of process and you need transparency into that process to the larger organization. You need project management, whether that's a dedicated role or you know a dedicated person who takes that on as part of their job or if it's spread out across, uh, across the designers in the org, it needs to happen. Another piece um, to this that I like to point out you can't think about people in you know, a 40-hour work week chunk. One person does not equal 40 hours. Two people does not equal 80 hours. Mm. Uh, I, I heard it compared to one time a, um, a server farm, right? When, when you're trying to manage a, a server farm, you don't want everything operating at 100% capacity at all times. Because what happens in the, those inevitable moments where there's a surge in usage or there, there's a need to launch something huge, if you're running at 100% capacity at all times, you're, you've got immediate burnout when there's a surge. Yeah. A more likely target or a better target is something like 80% capacity. 
especially for creatives, that's important. They need that extra, that extra time so that they, their mind has the freedom to create and the value that you hope to get from creatives is realized. Operating a creative at 100% at all times rarely gets you the innovation or the, what's the word I'm looking for? The newness, the glitz, the creativity that, that you're looking for. Wow, I just totally massacred that. Uh, <laughs> but with good efficiency, I mean, with good process, you gain efficiencies across the team and you're able to scale design. Yeah, I love that point. And it's one that I'm excited to dig into. When we started planning this episode, we realized very quickly we couldn't do it in just one. And so today we framed the problem. Next week, we're going to talk to you about some tactics, some project management tactics, some team planning tactics that you can use to help wrap your head around your team's capacity, maybe your own capacity if you're an individual designer, and how you can get to work-life balance. We really look forward to bringing you part two of this, and we thank you for your time listening to this podcast. Once again, we will ask if you have enjoyed any part of this or found any value to this podcast that we greatly enjoy bringing to you, we just ask that you leave us a rating or review on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use to listen to us. But until next time, I'm Jared Stevens. And I am Jeremy Carney. And together we are Making, Making Digital. Digital. We're never going to get that right. No, no, never. The views and ideas expressed on this podcast are our own and do not represent those of any previous, present, or future employers. Or spouses. Or family. Peace out. <laughs>